Death toll in Carberry bus crash rises to 16. Woman applies for maid because there aren't enough disability supports. Metro grocery workers in the GTA vote to strike. Could Canada hit peak oil in three years? And a restaurant explosion in China kills at least 31. Good morning. It's Thursday, June 22nd. I'm Nora, and here are your headlines. There is now a 16th victim of the bus crash in Carberry, Manitoba that happened one week ago today. A woman who had been hospitalized after the crash died on Tuesday. Nine people remain in hospital and four are in critical condition. This makes this crash as deadly as the Humboldt Broncos bus crash that happened five years ago. The names of the victims have still not been released. The RCMP said that they will release them today, though it is not explained why they've held off so long in doing so. Next to Bowmanville, Ontario, where Rose Finley has applied for MAID. She's quadriplegic and a single mother of three children. Two of the children have disabilities. A lack of disability supports has finally frustrated her enough to the point where she is now seven days away from her application being finalized to receive MAID. Her story went viral on TikTok. Global News' Karen Lieberman quoted Rose saying this in her video, quote, The fact that it takes six to eight months to receive disability support and only 91 days to receive medical assistance in dying based on the fact that I have a permanent disability and decreased quality of life, but my quality of life is decreased based on the level of support that I receive. As she ages, Rose has found that she's been getting more sick more often. She says that MAID is a better option than living with illness and the lack of disability support services that she needs. A Durham region representative said that they can help people find the services that they need if someone calls them. But Rose says she's been fighting for about 17 years for these supports, and it's, quote, always been a challenge to find adequate personal care support. We don't have transportation accessibility, unquote. Global News spoke to a ministry spokesperson who responded to Rose's story by saying that they've increased ODSP rates by 5%. The rates still legislate disabled people into poverty, and it isn't clear if Rose receives ODSP or if ODSP is related to the supports that she's talking about needing. That is a payment, and Rose's concerns seem more linked to accessibility services, like having the care that she needs to do daily tasks. ODSP wouldn't even cover a fraction of the costs related to those services, and it's quite a cop-out for the ministry to go straight to ODSP and not talk about all of the other services that are also lacking. There are other services in the province that Rose is likely talking about, but Lieberman's story doesn't get into them. I've been writing a similar story that actually will be out soon, and my story talks a lot about one program called direct funding. Direct funding gives people with disabilities access to money so that they can hire their own staff, but the waiting list for this program takes more than a year to get through. People can't wait that long, and then even once you have gotten through that the program doesn't provide enough services for many people. Here's hoping that there's a more in-depth follow-up story that names some of the programs that Rose says are failing her so that people get a better sense as to how desperate the situation is for someone who wants to live, but who's chosen made because they're out of options. 
Next, grocery workers at metro stores in the greater Toronto area and who are unionized with Unifor have just passed a strike mandate. The union has said that the strike mandate is 100% in favor of going on strike. That is clear, and that should make management a little bit nervous. The union is Local 414. They have 3,700 members working at 27 metro stores. Negotiations begin next week. This will be the first negotiation since the pandemic was declared. The workers have three job demands, quote, fair pay for all workers, greater access to better benefits and more secure work hours and full time jobs, unquote. The Canadian Press article, as it appears in CP24, doesn't list what the average wages are or average number of working hours that these workers can access. Next, a new report from the Canada Energy Regulator has modeled what global demand will look like for Canadian fossil fuels if countries around the world hit their net zero targets. And the news is not good for Canada's oil and gas industry. The regulator made a model based on the world hitting net zero carbon emission levels by 2050 and found that Canadian oil and gas production would actually start declining as early as 2026. And how did they come to this model? Well, the Paris Agreement identifies the year 2050 as being the target if the world is going to stop global warming at 1.5 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels. CBC's Inayat Singh reports that Canada's five largest tar sands companies made a collective $35 billion in profits in 2022. And side note, that's not too far off from what the collective profit is from the five big banks. Dale Bugen reminds people in the article that, quote, the biggest threat to the oil and gas sector in Canada isn't domestic climate policy. It's actually market conditions over the longer term, unquote. And of course it is. When global countries are trying to reduce their emissions, there will be less demand for Canadian oil and gas. Probably makes sense for those companies to plan for it. In fact, those companies are planning for it already, whether or not Canadian policymakers have caught up. That's the different question. The report also calculated how much carbon Canada will have to capture to meet its net zero commitments. It's very silly. About 22.5 megatons of CO2 per year must be captured by 2036. Where are we today? Well, Alberta has the capacity to capture around three megatons each year. But even then, the science on carbon capture is not as solid as the oil and gas industry wants us to believe that it is. One oil and gas industry group responded to this news by insisting that Canada needs to pay more money to the industry to invest in carbon capture. They must not have known that their profits would be inserted in the article farther up, diluting the argument that they need more money from the federal government. Mark Cameron from the Pathways Alliance, which is an oil and gas lobby group, says that Norway and the U.S. have put a lot more money into carbon capture than Canada does. Singh does not mention in the article, and Cameron hopes perhaps that we don't know this, that Norway also has a royalty taxation rate of 78% on oil and gas profits, something that Canada absolutely should emulate, but would probably melt people's faces in the industry if it did. Already, the federal government is putting about $1.5 billion per year into carbon capture. Cameron says that he doubts that these targets will be hit anyway, so the model isn't very helpful. And finally, news from China now. Agence France Presse is reporting that at least 31 people have been killed by an explosion that happened in the city of Yinchuan in the northwest part of China. The explosion is being blamed on liquefied petroleum triggering an explosion during a barbecue service at a restaurant. Xinhua is reporting that seven others are in intensive care. As of last night, this was all the news that was available about the explosion. 
Pictures posted to Twitter by Chinese news agency CGTN show that the restaurant was completely destroyed by the blast. Those are your headlines for Thursday, June 22nd. Hey, it's the last day of school in Quebec. So if you're listening in Quebec and you got kids that just went out the door, good work. You got through the school year. And for everybody else with kids in the rest of Canada, suckers, you've got another week. <laughs> uh, I am Nora. Those are your headlines. And I hope uh, I hope you have a great day. And if it's the start of your summer as of this afternoon, happy, happy summer. I know that I'm a little lukewarm on whether or not my summer really does start at five o'clock.